Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. Straight into it then, Tom. Yay! Hello, and well, do you want to do it? Do you want to do the hello and welcome to Modern Night is Rubbish, episode number 67, Tom? Do you want to do that? Hello, and welcome to Modern Art is Rubbish, episode number 67! Oh, you've got so much more enthusiasm than I have. Mm. Sorry, I've, brought, I've already brought them... <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes, yes! I've already <laughs> brought down the, uh, the spirit of the pod, yeah, with my... Down ways, right? So today, Tom, got a few things coming up that we're gonna that people listening can hear and join us in with us, and we've got a mystery dilemma, a mystery. Ooh. Sorry, not a mystery dilemma, a mystery and a dilemma, two separate things. A hot art tip, someone I think is really good at art and who's uh, quite new to the world, so people might want to get in there early, and. Uh- yeah. Uh, uh, no, yeah, go uh, on, carry uh, on. <laughs> and a free question mini quiz. Yes! yes. <laughs> is, there any pri- is there any prizes? Yes, the prize is how to obtain a free high-definition turtle art print. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a prize that everyone wants to hold. Everyone wants to hold, everyone wants to own, or have, or win. Right. Well, I, I've never seen a turtle in real life, so I'd like to see a high-definition yes. turtle art print. No, I've never seen a turtle in the wild. In I've, the wild? Yeah, I've used turtle wax on my car when I had a car. So that is using a, tur- a turtle? Yeah, yeah, well, no, I didn't use a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I, just for the record, I've never abused a turtle. I've never abused any other animals, for the record, as well. Anyway, um, let's moving swiftly on. Um Right, so I got a email, as you do, uh, from someone in a church in America, to, to myself, to my own Marcus Stefanelli artist page, and uh, it's in, this mystery is inquiring about a painting, and I'm going to read pretty much what was sent to me. So he says, this, uh, this message I received was I am the pastor of Westfield United Methodist Church in Westfield New Jersey across the Delaware River from Philadelphia 
We have an almost life-size oil painting, which is actually a rendition of a very famous painting, one copy of which resides in St Paul's Cathedral in London, entitled The Light of the World by William Holman Hunt. Ours was painted by, and here is the big thing, ours was painted by a Stefanelli in 1932. Um, My Google searches have found an American abstract impressionist artist Joseph Stefanelli that studied in Philadelphia he was born in 1921 I don't think he did such an elaborate painting as an 11 year old but maybe someone his family um, we are located just across the river from Philadelphia did and basically the guys wrote to me uh, the pastors wrote to me asking if I've got any relatives that moved to Philadelphia that might have done a copy of this painting Light of the World by William Holman Hunt. Wow, what a dilemma. Well, no, that's the dilemma's coming up. This is the mystery. Oh, right. I, kind of, I kind of mixed them up a bit, yeah. So this is the mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, so, sorry, let's do that again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so just to give an idea, this guy's done a copy, uh, Stephanie, and Light of the World is actually a painting that was done by uh, uh, the British pre-Raphaelite artist Holman Hunt who I just said and um, he painted in 1851 to 1853 so it took him about two years to do and it's a scene apparently it's taken from a uh, line in the Bible where Jesus says behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice, I will open the and open the door. I will come in and I will sup with him, and he with me. I've read that really badly, but you get the kind of vibe. So basically, it's a painting of Jesus. He's all in his good good Jesus gear, got and he's got a little lantern, and he's like there and he's knocking at the door. It's night time. He's well well lit, and the door in the painting actually has no handle, so it can only be opened from the inside. So. It kind of represents like this sort of uh, the shut mind of the human soul. And he's knocking saying, like, open up. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, Holman Hunt was quite a uh, religious person. It was quite a popular painting at the time. So basically, uh, this guy, this artist, Stefanelli, did a copy. And um, the pastor was writing to me to see if I had any relatives that went to Philadelphia. And apparently I do, because I, ha- I investigated it, and I did have some relatives that moved to Philadelphia from Italy, but their surname wasn't Stefanelli, so the mystery continues. Yeah, but not every artist who uses the surname Stefanelli was born a Stefanelli. Oh, oh, are you, <laughs> are you referring to moi, perhaps? Well, it's just I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Because oh, well. if it's if it's a family name, it surely is. if they if they move to Philadelphia, that's the key thing. Yeah, it is a f- and it, it's not a common name. I understand. Well, no, it isn't. It's it is a family name, but it's not. It was not us. It's not us. We we uh, looked into it, and the the family that moved out there was uh, a name called Delezzo. So it's a different different surname. There, they, they would have been the people that would have moved out. So, basically, if anyone listening knows of any Stefanellis that live in yeah. Philadelphia... So, I reckon you should look into the Delezzos and see if any of them were artists, because they might have used the uh, Stefanelli name. They might have done, but Guido Delezzo, 
possibly because some of our family were cardinals going back into uh, in back in time. Uh, Guido D'Alezzo was the guy who invented modern notation for music. He invented the music score, the five. What's it? The stave? Is it the stave? Wow, modern notation is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if anyone has any Stefanelli information in Philadelphia, please email us at info at modernartisrubbish.com. Oh, wow, yeah. what a mystery. <laughs> now we're on to a dilemma, Tom. I know you've been waiting for the dilemma. Right, are you ready for the dilemma? Yes! <laughs> So, you're the head of a, a famous art institute, the, the Royal Academy of Art in London, and basically what the situation is, is uh, they, due to COVID, there's a, there could be up to 150 people that have been, will be made redundant from the Royal Academy in London. So, they're thinking that they may, well, there's talk of uh, perhaps a Michelangelo marble sculpture being flogged, sold, in order to save these jobs. Now, that's called... The actual work is called the Tadeo... Uh, the, sorry, the Today Tondo. And it's a round-relief sculpture made in marble. It's an amazing piece because it, it's actually unfinished and it shows um, the Virgin and uh, the infant... St John and it was made around 1504 and as I say it shows his working process because it's unfinished and they reckon if they sold it it would be worth it would fetch over a hundred million pounds is that how much they need to pay all those staff well I think this bills are about eight million pounds a year or something but it would save a lot of staff so is this uh, this seems to me like that seems like overkill to me yeah. And it's like they don't need a hundred million pounds to save everyone's jobs. Yeah. But they they're getting a bit of press for it. Like, you know, people are gonna mention it on podcasts, for example, aren't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, so there's gonna be a lot of uh Do you think it's a scam? No. You... Uh well no, I'm just saying like the reason behind the the story might not be that they're gonna actually do it. Well, for the record, they're actually denying that they're actually considering doing that. I mean, obviously, they take the the loss of all those jobs very seriously, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of museums have been suffering because of this. So, what would you do then? Uh, bearing in mind, and this is coming clean, I've actually been to the Royal Academy in London several times. I've never even noticed this Michelangelo work. Yeah, well, maybe you've never even noticed all those staff there either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So what would you do? You'd just find a cheaper painting to flog it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. But maybe, like, they must have, like... They must have lots of rich donors if they own a piece that's worth 100 million. They, mu- they must be quite a wealthy organisation for having that. I mean, there must yeah. be another another way without losing um a, you know i don't know yeah maybe a cheaper piece yeah what about a high definition turtle art print <laughs> <laughs> that could raise millions that could raise millions so anyway hopefully they'll uh, they'll sort it out 
Yeah, well, he didn't finish it, did he, Michelangelo? No, he didn't, so it's not... But it's, uh, I mean, as I say, it's, it was something he was doing when he was 29, but then he had this little other piece on his mind called David, he was working at the time. So I think I think basically what artists of those times do is, you know, it's a commission. You take every bit of work you can get at the time. You never turn down work, do you? So even those working on David at the time, is someone, you know, the uh, guy who asked for this work, clearly he wasn't going to turn it down either. Yeah. No. So there you go. So that's the. Uh... What a dilemma! <laughs> right. Now, um, my tip is I'd like to talk about maybe there's a little bit of uh, nepotism going on, a little bit of bias here, but it's my nephew. I want to just mention uh, my nephew's uh, got a new website out, and I actually think his work's really good. And I honestly, sincerely, I wouldn't be mentioning it on this podcast if I didn't think it was worth looking at. Nepotism! (laughs) (laughs) Nepotism in art! (laughs) Well, it is our podcast, so... (laughs) So, basically, uh, my nephew goes under the name of the artist J.R. Chaw. Um, And, basically, it says on his website, he's a contemporary uh, paper-cut and spray-paint artist whose work explores the notions of facades in society that conceal harsh realities. And he's only 18 years old, and his work's influenced significantly by the traditional Japanese art form of kiri, or paper-cutting, as well as Japanese Buddhist aesthetics, such as wabi-sabi, which is the beauty and imperfection, and enso, a spiritual art form believed to expose the artist's true character. Basically, he cuts out these really huge, intricate paperworks. Some are huge, some are small, but they're all done with a knife. And I can tell you, they are really, really delicate, and but beautiful and really stunning when you look at them. You've seen the website, Tom. Yeah, it looks impressive. I wonder if... Um if he could save all the jobs at the Royal Academy of Art. What, by selling those? Well, yeah, you'd have to sell a lot at the moment because he's just starting out in his career. But I I think they're great. I think he's going places. So for you listening at home, that's a top tip from me. Obviously, I- buy at your own risk, but it's a top tip. Okay. So is he selling selling pieces on yes, his website? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah but well worth checking out I think I've, uh, and you know this is my my years of studying art history and and, and art and being a and, and family parties and family parties yeah I have to say I was in a room I stayed in the room where he actually works and I was I was kind of sweating a bit because I was really I, I had these visions of me getting up in the night and accidentally like breaking the artwork apart didn't happen in your sleep what in a in a jealous dream rage (laughs) (laughs) there is no jealousy there's no jealous dream rage (laughs) anyway moving swiftly on (laughs) so anyway the website is jrchaw.com which is jrchuo.com i'll put a link on the website so you can check it out you listening okay 
I've, we need a quiz, don't we? Do you need a quiz? A oh, mini quiz? Yeah, yeah, quiz. Can we have a quiz? Quiz, yeah. quiz, quiz. I know, yeah. Well, <laughs> funny you ask that. We have got a quiz. And the other thing as well is that some of these, there might be a bit of a builder's theme. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to ask three questions and they're going to be a multiple choice and you have to guess which is actually an art term two of them won't be art terms and they might be buildery terms and okay. which one is the real art term and then we'll talk about our reveal okay so okay. so uh can you do a little theme tune made up that's brilliant. I like that. It doesn't say what the quiz is, though. Oh, yeah. Art quiz! Right. So, question one. Right, which of these is actually an art term? Right. The first term is Bressema, Corbell, or Scumble. Which one of those words is actually an art term? And the two of them are builders' terms. Okay, so Bressema. Um, well, it's kind of got a kind of Italian y thing, so I'll rule that out. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, what, does, what, what, was, what was the second one? Corbell. Corbell. Yeah, I like that one for an art term. What was the third one? Scumble. Scumble. That sounds quite buildery, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go for. I, yeah, I don't recognise any of them, but I'll go for number two. Wrong. You're wrong. Right, so firstly, a bressimer is a lintel, often timber, over a shop front, fireplace or bay opening. The one that you chose, which was Cool Bell, projection of stone, brick, timber or metal jutting out from a wall to support a weight above. And the actual word was scumble. Now, do you know what scumble means? Scumble means to paint an opaque colour over another. And basically, when you do that, if you paint, you'll see patches of the colour below. So I, I do it a lot when I use watercolour. Sometimes I'll use virtually no water at all on the watercolour paint, and then I'll paint over the top of another colour. So it will leave like that sort of scrapey kind of dry effect. So you can see the colours, see the, the, work, the paint below it. Okay. So what I've picked is there's an example which I'll put on the website for you watching watching you're not watching you're listening for you listening at home or wherever you are and it's an example by the british artist joseph mallard mallord sorry joseph mallard william turner and it's his work called snow storm steamboat off a harbour's mouth and it was exhibited exhibited in 1842 and it's basically a stormy sea and it's a small steamboat overcome by the power of the wind and um, and you can see with his brush strokes, he's done a lot of. There's been a lot of scumbling going on. Um, and did you know, Tom? There was actually a story that he may have actually tied himself to the mast of the boat in a storm, so he could have a clear picture of his mind that when he went to paint the work, he actually thought, "Oh, that's a bit stormy." What do you think about that? Is that, that, that how he how, how he sounds inside his head? 
Oh, it's a bit stormy. A bit stormy. Well, I can <laughs> tell you one thing. Is uh, Turner is one of the considered one of the greatest ever British artists. In fact, he's on what's he on? He's on the ten pound or five pound? Five pound note? No, no, not fair. ten pound or twenty twenty pound. He's on the purple twenty British pound note. Wow. Yes, I believe so. And um, he's one of the most uh, famous artists in uh, the UK. And he actually spoke more like me. So he comes from the East End of London. Which is not where I come from, where my family comes from. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Did you know that? Um, no. no. Well, I do now. <laughs> right, I think it's question two then, isn't it, time? Question two. Question does... two! Okay, which one of these words is a real art term? Flaunching, purling, or impasto? Um... Well, I think purling is an, a buildery term. Yeah. Fraunching, well, I don't know, that just sounds random. And the last one, what was the last Impasto. one? Impasto. Impasto, I mean, that sounds, again, Italian. I want to rule out the Italian ones. So I'll go for the first one. Wrong! Oh. Flaunching. Mortar weathering on top of the chimney stack surrounding the base of the chimney pots to throw off the rain and thus prevent it from saturating the stack. I got this from some builder site. Purling, horizontal beam in a roof upon which rafters rest. rest. Impasto is the process or technique of laying on paint or pigment thickly so it stands out from the surface. So basically starry night. Starry Night is a really good example of by Van Anti-pa- Gogh. Antipasto. Yeah. And was yeah. impasto. Impasto, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was painted in nineteen eighty nine. Do you want some Starry Night facts? Yeah, please, Marcus. Well, you know, just after he cut his ear off, um, he spent time in the San Remy sanatorium. So this was one of the views that he painted. Now, he actually had bars across his window so he couldn't get out. So he actually painted the Starry Night without the bars in, of course. And um, he actually felt that his painting, the Starry Night, was a failure. He wrote to his brother and said so. Oh, right, yeah. So there you go. One of the most famous paintings. And he So let that be a lesson to everyone listening, I think. you may What you may do is a failure, but some people may think it's incredible. I think it's the greatest painting ever. Yeah. I can never say that about my cooking, though. Yeah, but your cooking's not a painting. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a short advertisement break. Oi, look at this. Oi, mate, look at this picture here. Look at this. Look at this turtle art print I just got. It's good, isn't it? Nice bit of scumble going on. Yeah, look, looks like you found that in the skip out on the road. Those builders should clear up after themselves. So, just head over to modernartisrubbish.com and subscribe to our email list to get your free artwork and to be updated on the latest Modern Art is Rubbish news. Right, the final one, the final question. Question number three. Okay. Right. One of these is an artistic movement, right? Is it the Fox Group? Ooh. Angry Penguins? Ooh. Tiger's Jaw? 
Yeah, so I know a builder's firm called the Angry Penguins. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say one's got a music feel, one of those answers. Okay, so um, Tiger Jaw was the last one. Yeah. Uh, is that an art music? What was the first one? The Fox Group. The Fox Group. They sound like um, estate agents or something. <laughs> so who are you going for? Um, okay, well, I'm ruling out the Fox Group because I think they'll be too busy sorting insurance out and that sort of thing. Yeah. So the Angry Penguin. Um, I mean, that's quite arty, being, being an Angry Penguin, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's quite black and white, though. And the... Something jaw. Tiger's jaw. Tiger's jaw. Um, well, it hasn't got a the in front of it. And the last couple of answers have both been the third choice. Okay. So um, I'm kind of going to rule out the third choice yeah. and go for thinking that um, you won't choose that one again. So I'll go for the second one. Which is? The Angry Penguin. Correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> the Fox Group, according to their website, is a fine home building construction company owned and operated by Tom and Cara Fox. Tiger's Jaw is an American rock band from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Now, the Angry Penguins, they're from Australia, actually, and um, they started out, this is around about the 1940s, they started out as a modernist literary journal and they grew up to become an art movement and they were a collection of sort of angry, modernist, avant-garde artists and writers and they were centred around Adelaide, the uh, city and their works were quite surreal and expressionistic and I've got an interesting story which is relating to uh, the Angry Penguins it's kind of quite infamous infamous in uh, art sort of like art e-history because it's poetry really and uh, especially in Australia and it's about an art a uh, poet called Ern Malley now basically uh, the angry penguins everyone thought oh it's a bit modernist so a lot of right uh, sort of like more conservative writers and artists didn't really like the angry penguins because they thought it was all like avant-garde and all like ooh all modernist and all sort of rubbishy kind of you know nonsense and stuff although really great some great art and great uh, poetry came out so the uh, two writers James Macaulay and Howard Stewart decided to make up a character called Ern Malley and they spent one day in 1943 making up modernist poetry which they basically considered to be pretty shite so they just made it up rubbishy and what they did was they sent it into the Angry Penguins um, magazine. And Max Harris, who's the poet, a poet and a member of the uh, the group of artists and uh, poets, artists and poets, uh, loved it. He loved this work of, uh, you know, uh, Ern Malley. And apparently it was sent in by the, the dead, by the sister of the dead poet, Ethel he liked them so much that he actually published them in uh, the magazine and devoted a whole is a whole article uh, sorry the whole of the magazine to this the whole ju- issue the whole issue that's it that's it i got the word right no you didn't yeah. you got the word right i'm claiming a point for your question um and stated that 
this person is a genius. And unfortunately for Harris, um, it all came out as a hoax. And also some of the poems were quite obscene. So Harris was actually put on trial for obscenity, for publishing obscenity. And um, what kind of hoax? So he got a letter from this lady, Ethel, saying my dead brother wrote these poems. Yeah. But they, they weren't really poems of her dead brother. No, no. It was made up by James McCauley and Howard Stewart who just thought they were conservative poet, uh, conservative writers and they decided to make up these poems. Oh, so they made up the poems and they made up the story of the dead brother. Yeah. And so there was no Ethel. No, there was there no were, Ethel. There was no, no dead brother. No. And not only that, so, so basically what happened was that when this came out to light, everyone used it to mock modernist poetry because they said, look, these guys are just made up stuff. You can see why the penguins were so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing is now, Ern Malley, this made-up character, his work is quite celebrated, of this made-up poet. Yeah, but it wasn't really, it was, wasn't really Ern Malley, it was these other artists. These two guys, they, yeah. Yeah, but they don't get the credit for it, this fake, fake Ern Malley gets the... Yeah. Gets the uh, kudos. Yeah, but what it did was it put back the calls of modernist poetry for ages because people used it to mock it and say, look, it's just so stupid. These guys just made up poetry and made it, deliberately went out to make it nonsense and everyone was celebrating it. Yeah, but all po- poetry's made up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, a lot of it's nonsense as well. Yeah. So anyway, I've got a little clip of Ern Malley poetry clip it's not even a clip is it I'm going to read a little piece of Ern Malley poetry and it's called Night Piece and this is just a little uh, passage from it I think hang on can we just like pay respects to Ethel before we read this oh yeah Ethel the (laughs) yes Ethel she'll be dead now even if she was real Uh, yeah yeah mind you most of the uh, I think all the angry penguins are now dead we could have we could have a bit of organ music (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'll stick that on. I'll add that post-production. <laughs> so it's called Night Peace. And this is just a passage from it. The swung's torch scatters seeds in the umbelliferous dark and a frog makes guttural comment on the naked and trespassing nymph of the lake. So that's probably why he was done for obscenity for publishing that. It's just, it's just filth, isn't it? Um, I don't know, is it? No, it's not really. I think I didn't particularly I didn't pick a particularly... Uh... It went past quite quick. I didn't even notice it. It was more like a breeze. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Mally will do that to you. So anyway, that is the end of the podcast for this week, or this two weeks. So um, just to say, Tom, anything to add before we go out? Oh, yeah, you've got some music. And where can people follow you on music? Um, online, yeah, they can follow me online, Ob Tom, And we'll put links on the website. 
And if you want to get in contact with us, do so at info at modernartisrubbish.com. And you can visit our website, modernartisrubbish.com, where you can see the images and find links to the stuff we talked about on the show. And also you can find links to our social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And I think it's just time to say bye, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, but if anyone can help us solve our dilemma... Oh, yes. Or, or indeed, the, uh, the Stefanelli question... Yes. Yeah, please get in touch. Info at modernartisrubbish.com. Hey. So it's just buys, isn't it? Goodbye! Bye! Bye! You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage is not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the $3 medium pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusion apply. Valid on pumpkin spice signature latte only in all cold foam cold brew.